Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? Lovely, Mr. Castor. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm That's doing good. great. There, good to hear. It's been nice this week, weather-wise. And yeah, it's been, honestly, I mean, the first couple of days, it's been pretty hot. Like, super duper hot. So, um... We were Adam and I were talking. I was doing a little, uh, little, little fist motion, a little fist gesture, gesture, um, as Adam was going through his spiel. And before we came on, Adam and I were talking about a potential bet that I almost made uh, between Atalanta and Lazio in the Serie A right now. Uh, Adam, Lazio are two nil up. Malinkovic nice. Savage with a twenty-five yard goal. Very nice. So I am. Whatever is above cloud nine, that's what I'm on right now. That I just forgot to place that bet. That is just wonderful, wonderful news. Yep. So anyway, like I was saying, it's uh, whether- what were you saying? I did. Was even paying attention? <laughs> I figured because you were you're looking at your phone. Thankfully, yeah. I have to. I got a notification because I am I am in the loop. I am in the loop, looking to keep our listeners in the loop as well as to what is going on. By the way, Liverpool are also one nil up against Crystal Palace at time of recording. And also Wilfred Zaha is injured. Very sad. Very, Very sad. sad. Big Arsenal fan. Yeah. He is. Big Arsenal fan. I'm he pretty is. sure. He, yeah. No, he is. Yeah. Not even being facetious. He, he, he is. He's, yeah, I thought, honestly, I thought he was going to go to the club in the, in the summer. And that would have been a great pickup for Arsenal. It's yeah. okay. We have, we have a world beater. It's all right. Dava Luiz? No, Nicola Pepe. Oh. Oh, Nico. That's my guy. Put some, put some respect on his name. Put some respect on his name. Come on, Adam. Come on. I put some, I, I like Nicholas Pepe. Thank you. Thank you very much. He scored this, a great this, goal against Brighton. Thank you very much. This is, this is a pro Nicola Pepe podcast. Look what happens when he was brought off. Nicola Pepe comes off and all goes to shit. I, I see a true pattern here. It's like taking Fernandinho out of city. That's what it is. Yeah. Sure. But for... Offense instead of defense, and for and Fernandinho didn't cost you seventy two million. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it cost us like twenty. I thought it, I thought it was like thirty. I thought it was like thirty three. It was that's uh, the that's the number that's coming to me. I remember David Silva was around that, but David's, uh, yeah, David Silva was was around that too when when you signed him from uh, Valencia. Uh, but I believe for, for Fernandinho you signed from Shakhtar. Yes, I, be- I believe he was there. It was thirty-three. Are you looking? Are you looking that information up? Yeah, I am. Oh, go on, uh, go on, uh, a transfer market or whatever, whatever it is. Oh, I was just. Uh, and, uh, oh, thirty-four million. You were very close. Oh, I was real close. I was real close. Wow, I know, I know, I know my Manchester City transfer transfer activity. What can I say? Yep. What can I say? I I I am just an expert when it comes to Manchester Manchester City transfers. Yep. Because they've had they've had some real real good ones and they've had some real real bad ones. We don't talk about Rubinho on this podcast. We don't talk about Rubinho here. No, we don't talk about Rubinho. <laughs> we don't talk about Kalechi and Nacho either. We don't talk about Kalechi. Kalechi's a good guy. What did he do to you? It's what he didn't do is the problem. Ah, uh, okay. I I see. I see. But I mean, uh, I mean, can we can we talk about uh, John Stones? Uh, one and a half good years. Of John Stones, uh, are we? Is it one and a half good years? Is it were there one and a half good years of John Stones? Really? Maybe like, maybe like not not consecutively, Cumul- cumulatively one and a half good years. Well, if you look at uh, transfermarket.us, uh, it says that John Stones. By the way, he he did cost you sixty one point one six million uh, in two thousand sixteen from Everton. Right now, his Market value, his highest market value in 2018 was 66 million. You want to take a guess what his market value is right now? It's probably like a, a, a Snickers bar. I wouldn't say a Snickers bar. I'd say 25 million. A little more than that. 40? A little less. 35? A little higher. 38? A little higher. 39.5? 39.6 million. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> that's, what, that's what it says. Oh, my God. 
Well, whatever. I, I am. I am not going to debate transfer market. It knows, it knows what it's talking about. No, yeah, they do. They do. Anyway, so I mean, I I wanted to actually go into like a rant for a second about FFP because Marseille, as you saw yesterday, got fined three million euros. I did. I did see for that. breaching FFP, and it kind of got me thinking about how like PSG did basically the same thing that Man City did two or three years ago when they signed Neymar and Mbappe back to back and they didn't get anything for it. And it's like the same thing. And they, there were repeat offenders as well. And they had no European ban for that because they signed Mbappe on loan. They had, it was a loan deal for Mbappe and then they bought him the year after so they can actually right. be uh compliant with ffp and it's just kind of like ridiculous that are you, are you surprised it's a very big double standard because the uh the president of psg is on the board of uefa and also uh you know who's hosting the 2022 world cup and yes and yes which state <laughs> and which state owns psg <laughs> uh which country? Can I can I take um, what is Qatar there, Alex? Yes. How how many how, how many uh, what was the dollar value in that question there, Mister Drebeck? Five dollars. Five dollars. <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, that's harsh. I mean, sure, it's not. I mean, they're both pretty terrible situations, like human rights wise, as far as uh, ownership is concerned. But I think that that the whole that PSG should serve as like a legal precedent that like they were able to do something much much worse and get away with it but and if that and if that happens and that means just financial fair play should just be abolished because clearly uh, I, i've been no saying team. financial fair play is a crock of shit for however long it, if they, it does nothing it, if this it does thing, nothing if this ruling is overturned let for men's cities a european ban then the rule has no teeth i think it will be and there, there's a there's a hunt there's a hunch that tells me that it that it is it's going to be overturned because it's i think men it's it sounds a lot like whataboutism because it kind of is but men's city has not been as lavish like it's not it hasn't been like they've been smarter as the as the years went on with their money, because Mancini's record signing is Rodri, and Rodri is uh, sixty seven million yeah. pounds, and uh, PSG's record signing is Neymar, and Neymar cost two hundred million dollars. Is Ro- is Rodri the the record signing for for Man City, or is it is it De Bruyne? No, it's Rodri. Rodri, they just broke it over the summer. I want to make sure that is correct information. I, I I don't know why I thought it was. Um, it probably was. It was De, it was De Bruyne. The highest transfer received was from Juventus for uh, Danilo. What a but <laughs> love that. Yeah, it's Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, it is Kevin. It's Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, eighty-three million versus seventy-seven for Rodri. Oh, well, that was, I was thinking of, like, at the time, not without other fees. Because I was on Wikipedia, and uh, so De Bruyne, I think the, the initial fee was $54 million, and then Rodri was 62.8. Okay. All right, so if you're talking about total fees, then, then yeah, Rodri is more expensive, but... Uh, TransferMarket.us says the most expensive transfer for Manchester City was, in fact, Kevin De Bruyne. Their top five, in case you're curious, I'm Eric Laporte for yep. 71.5, Joao Cancelo for 71.5, Riyad Mahrez, Rodri, and then Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. Yeah, so I but guess... Don't worry, comp- don't worry. Rabinho is is at 14. He only costs you 47.3. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, that's with all the fees. Combined. Yes. I think Wikipedia is just like straight up what they paid at the time, the actual 
yeah. They're... Man City paid two pence for a, a guy named John Gunn in 1896. That's something. That's, it was the, that's true history. Also, that was the earliest recorded transfer fee. Wow. was John Gunn for two pence. For two pence? Wow. But, the, the 27th most expensive player in your history and the 24th most expensive player players in your history are both fuckers. Wow. Look at that. Both fuckers. Who? God, I can't even say their names. I might have to wash my mouth out with soap. Oh, God. I really hope it's not the Man City player I'm thinking of. Cause I... Who is it? Does he have the same name as me? Same first name? No. Oh, thank God. No, it's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not the pedophile. Oh. Who? Who is it? Twenty-four is Emmanuel Adebayor. Oh God. Oh. And twenty-seven is uh, Samir Kashri, otherwise known as Samir Nasri. Well, there you go. Uh, before we get into news and notes, this has been a long-winded introduction. Um, before we get to uh, news and notes, Adam, if you want a, a little score update, um, still 2-0 for uh, Lazio over Atalanta. Uh, it is 2-0 Liverpool Palace at halftime. Mo Salah uh, did, in fact, uh, score. And this is a little story that broke last night. We can kind of talk about this a little bit if, if you want. It's something we didn't include in news and notes, but we'll kind of work our way into news and notes a little bit. Nice little transition here. Um, Antonio Brown. Did he sign, or is it, teams are looking or looking around? Yeah, Seahawks, Seahawks, and the Ravens were looking around, and this is—I uh, believe this had to have come from uh, Adam Schefter because it was it was ESPN uh, that sent out the notification that uh, AB to the Ravens is unlikely. Oh man, can you imagine Lamar Jackson with Antonio Brown? If he's like half, if he's like. Th- Half as good as he was in his prime. That would be an amazing, amazing offense. How about Antonio and Holly in Hollywood? Yeah. Ravens Hollywood. I mean, I would, I would love to see. I mean, take what you take. Take this as you will with Antonio Brown. Just, be, just because it is Antonio Brown. And he has proven time and time again that he has uh, more than one loose screw. But if he went to Seattle with Russell Wilson, oh, mama mia, that would, that would be an unbelievable duo. Antonio Brown, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. What an incredible receiving core. I forget about Tyler Lockett. He's trash. Plus Will Disley at tight end. Bill Disley? Bill? Will, Will Disley. Bill Disley? I didn't Great say guy. Bill. I, I said say Bill. Bill. I okay. said Bill. Great guy. Great guy, Bill Disley. Um, if, if you know, you know. Um, let's forget about Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is, 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 is hot garbage. I'll stand by that. Antonio Brown, DK Metcalf. Russell Wilson's like, who do I throw to? They're both so wide open. <laughs> That would be a situation. <laughs> that would be that would be a situation. <laughs> wow! That you can't double be... team both of them. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. No, no, you can't. You cannot. That would be that would be unbelievable. Maybe Tyler Lockett would be productive if he had AB and, and Metcalf next to him as the one and the two, and you have Lockett underneath, who can be a serviceable receiver, but. Wow, that would be something because me personally, me personally, and I know there's a lot of people who you know want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. They want to talk about uh, Deshaun Watson. They want to talk about Tom Brady. Um, I yeah, Lamar Jackson. I believe Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the National Football League. I really do. I I I agree. I think I mean, if he yeah if he had he had more talent around him more. Offensive talent around him. Like, okay. For example, for example, I'm not going to, you know, fantasize and put myself in the situation, but I'm going to do it anyway. You take Russell Wilson, right? You put him 
same exact Russell Wilson. You trade just trade places. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. And you take Russell Wilson on in Dallas. How many Super Bowls do you think Russell Wilson would have right now? He'd have five Super Bowls. Five? Wait, are you counting the one that he won in Seattle? No, 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 no. Okay. So then he have he'd have four. Really? You think you think he would have won four four Super Bowls in Dallas? Actually, you know what? No, no, he would have won the same number as Troy Aikman. He would have he would have won three Super Bowls. Three? Yeah. Okay. I I mean, it's hard to disagree to say that Russell that Russell uh, Dallas Dallas would have won a Super Bowl with the roster that they have if they had Russell Wilson. So I think a lot like a from, lot of other teams yeah. could could say that too. From 2012 to now, yes, they would have won the Super Bowl at least. In 2014, when they were mm-hmm. really, really good. Yep. And in 2016, when they were really, really good. That's fair. So that's two. That's two years. And maybe yep. in 2015, honestly, because Russell Wilson wouldn't have gotten injured like Tony True, Romo like, was. like Romo. Yeah. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, yeah. I put myself in that situ- situation. That was that was terrible. Now I'm reminiscing and saying to myself, geez, Cowboys could have a Super Bowl if they had Russell Wilson. Ugh. Yikes. Well, you know, the Eagles were looking to draft Russell Wilson. Thank God they didn't. Now they have Jalen Hurts. Well, they were going to draft him, but the uh, Seahawks beat them to it. That's, that's what happened. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so, 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 so much. So let's go into the news and notes. And the big, big thing that uh, broke on f- Friday or Thursday, actually, when I was editing the last podcast was that uh, – one of the best, if not the best player on the Jets requested a trade when this man has no leverage. He's two years left on his contract and he wanted to uh, get paid quarterback money. He want his, his demands. Jamal Adams is the player I'm talking about for those that are for the uninitiated. Or those he, who are living under a rock. Yeah. I want to be nicer than that. But okay, well, well, you are, you are to use professional wrestling terms here. You are the face of this podcast, and I am the heel of this podcast. I guess. Yeah. At least I, I know it though. I don't watch wrestling, but I know what that means. Okay, definitely. good. I, I feel like a lot of people do. I'm not a big wrestling guy either, but at least I know what that is. But continue, so, continue. Yeah. So Jamal Adams, he has wanted a new contract for a while now, and it's not like the Jets don't want to give him the contract because Joe Douglas does. He said this publicly to the media that Jamal Adams is a jet. He wants Jamal Adams to be a jet for life, but you have two years left on your rookie contract. The only player from Jamal Adams's draft class to even get extended was one Christian McCaffrey, who is probably one of the best, one of the best skill position players in the national football league. And Jamal Adams wants $20 million per year, which is more than any other safety is making on the market. And he wants it early. And not to mention the fact that there is a uh, global health crisis going on that is kind of slowing business down. Free agency contract extensions have all been grind, ground to a halt as a result of this because because pe- teams aren't, necessarily secure in their assets because they don't know what's going to happen with the season, what the uh, TV deal, well, the TV deal is the TV deal, but as far as like gate receipts, because I mean, that factors in, especially when you have teams like the Jets who have 60,000 or 80,000 seat stadium, a, an 80,000 seat stadium. You have gate receipts, you have concessions, uh, merchandise, that, that whole bit. Team so, stores. Yeah, no, merchandise is what I was saying. Oh, team stores and merchandise, you're calling that the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Branded branded merchandise. So this, I can appreciate the fact that a player like Jamal Adams wants to get uh, paid as soon as possible because with the length of NFL careers, it, it could be over in an instant with injuries or a uh, loss of production or, or what have you. But from the perspective of a general manager, Joe Douglas is thinking, you know, I have time. You really only worry about the extension when it's 
when you have uh, one year left on your on the contract because Jamal Adams was also the fifth year option on his uh, contract as well as rookie contract because he was a first round pick in 2017 and. We know, we've seen that Joe Douglas is a patient man. He is not somebody to act on a whim, have any knee-jerk reactions. He is one of those guys also that, like, you know, he sets a price and then he's more or less willing to go over that or more or less not willing to go over that. And we, we've seen it in, in free agency with uh, – the with the moves that the Jets made, and also in uh, in trades, and in the and in the draft, honestly, and I think this all boils down to the trade deadline, where the Jets were listening to offer air quotes, listening to offers, like if somebody offers you three first round picks for Jamal Adams, you think you're not going to listen to that offer? Like, you shouldn't take offense to that. He wasn't going to do anything. It's just due diligence. I think Jamal Adams is being a little too sensitive on this issue. I mean, maybe he's trying to pull a, a, I, I hate to say an Antonio Brown because it's not, but he's trying to force his way out of, of a uh, of a tricky situation but I, I don't know it just doesn't make any sense to me when with everything that's going on in the world right now that somebody won't just wait he's making like 7.8 million dollars this year on the on his rookie contract and then like 9 million dollars next year on his rookie contract he isn't so i don't know I, it just it boggles the mind, and yeah, and obviously Bird is very happy about this because he wants them to go to the Cowboys. So Bird, let me, let's hear your piece on this. The timing for me is is really off because I agree with what you said, Adam. I mean, it's it kind of I don't want to say it screams selfishness because obviously you know if you're a top tier NFL player like Jamal Adams is, you obviously are going to want your money when it is available and he has an opportunity to make top dollar and become the highest paid safety in the national football league by a lot. And then some, the curious thing that I, that I see here with, with this is kind of from the jets perspective in a way that I feel like if the jets were really going to trade Jamal Adams, right. And let's just say, Let's talk about the Cowboys because that's the only real team that has made a concrete offer that we know of for Jamal Adams, and that was the 17th overall pick for Jamal Adams last year. Here's my question for you, Adam, because I've asked a whole bunch of people this, and I've gotten very mixed answers about it, and I'm actually kind of surprised. But let's just say the first round of the draft goes the way that it did, right? And you're on the clock at 17 again. And the Cowboys call you up. And they're offering you the 17th overall pick, which is CeeDee Lamb, for Jamal Adams. Are you taking that trade? Knowing what you know now, that Jamal Adams is causing a bit of a ruckus. Are you making that trade? I would I would counter and ask for next year's first also. If they say deal breaker. No, deal breaker? Deal breaker. Hmm. They're only offering you a first. Only CD offering Lamb. first. CD, CD Lamb. Lamb. Yep. You I don't get know, I Sam Darnold your his number the number one receiver that he has been starving for. But it's at the cost of your best defensive player. Who wants it? Who would? Who will want a new contract? That's very. That's a tough one. I. Mm, I don't think. I don't think I would take it. Okay. I would. That's, that's the answer that I was expecting. That was the answer that I was honestly expecting. But a I lot want, of a lot of people said yes. I want more for Jamal Adams. I don't think you're getting more. That's the thing. I, I don't. There, I don't think there's a team on planet Earth right now that 
in the middle of the situation that we're in is giving up a first round first round pick in the draft next year and is going to shell out a new contract for Jamal Adams, which is what you're going to have to do if you trade for him unless he specifies that he is not going to, you know, want a new contract. If he joins you, like supposedly he did with Dallas and Philadelphia and Baltimore. I I I don't I don't buy I don't buy really any of that. But let's just say it's gonna re- require a first round pick and a new contract to get Jamal Adams. There's no, there's no team in hell that's going to pay that price right now. There's just, there's no way. So it seems like Jamal Adams is, is sort of stuck. I, I, I honestly, I think if uh, Joe Douglas does get a first round pick, if there's an offer that comes in that is a first round pick for Jamal Adams today, he takes it. I really, really? do. I really do. Yeah. I think in normal circumstances, I would expect like almost like a Khalil Mack scenario. Because guess what? Every day the Jets don't trade him, and every day that he goes without a new contract, his value just goes down. And it's very, it's very clear that for whatever reason, Jamal Adams does not want to play for the Jets. He will be paid to play for the Jets but he personally does not want to play for the Jets. It comes, to, it comes down to, does Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams at this point right now, based on what he has said and all of his activity and whatnot, wants to play for the Cowboys. He wants to play for the Eagles. He wants to play for the Ravens. But he's saying, pay me to be a Jet or trade me so I can play for the Cowboys. I can play for the Eagles. I can play for the Ravens. But you pay me, I'll play for you. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't get it. Are you, are you buying um, all the talk now that really the source of frustration for Jamal Adams comes down to uh, Adam Gaze? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either. I never, I, I, I never liked seen the hiring anyway. We've seen this before, where Adam, where Adam Gaze has just had disagreements with star players, and players yeah. in general, not even stars, just players in general. How fitting! How fitting is it though that the one guy that followed, that follows Adam Gaze around, is arguably the biggest dickhead in the history of the National Football League in Jay Cutler. I know. Very, very ironic. No, notice my sarcasm. Yeah. Very ironic. Yeah, well, birds of a feather. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I don't know. I just, it's weird. It's just, there had to have been something. Because during the season this year, he was just like, yeah, man, I love it here. This is great. I'm, I love playing. I love playing here. I love my teammates. It's awesome. And now, like months later, he's like, "No, I hate it here. It's terrible. I want to leave." I don't. I don't think Jamal Adams is saying that. I don't think Jamal Adams is saying that he hates playing in New York. I don't think he's saying that at all. I think. I think it's more that he hates playing for a team where there is no real direction right now. Because I, I honestly, even with the additional playoff spot that is now being introduced for this potential upcoming season. I use that word potential very, very, very loosely. Um, There's something just in my head right now that says, that says to me, the Jets still are God, two, three years away. Really? Contenders. Yeah. I mean, Look, they did they did some work on the on the offensive line, sure. But Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell is not getting any younger. Adam Gaze doesn't want to use him the way that he should be used. They don't have a true number one on offense on offense right now, a true number one pass catcher. You could say it's Chris Herndon. Yeah, is Chris Herndon reliable? No, not really. Is Jameson Crowder a true number one receiver in this league? No. I don't think so either. You could. What has Brashad Perryman been before he played with Jameis Winston, who drops back fifty times a game? 
not much. He was a he was a bust. And Denzel Mims is only a rookie receiver. So really what it comes down to is you have Sam Darnold that's in a huge year for him. This is a humongous year for Sam Darnold because you look at all the rest of the quarterbacks that are in his class, you could say, well, Baker Mayfield has a stronger supporting cast around him. We've kind of seen it from Baker Mayfield before that he offers that wow sort of factor, but you know he's been up and down. You could say Josh Allen has made steady improvements through his first two years, and this year he is going to take that next big step and become that, I don't want to say elite quarterback, but at least a in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the National Football League. And then you look at Lamar, what Lamar Jackson has done, taking the league by complete storm. Whereas, have we really seen – I'm not saying Sam Donald is bad because – I like Sam Darnold. I think he I think he's going to be a very, very good quarterback. But have we seen anything that suggests as of right now that Sam Darnold is going to take th- that big step this year and be an elite quarterback, or not even an elite quarterback, a great quarterback that you know is a solid starting option in the National Football League. I don't know. I don't know if if we are at that point. Not to the fault of Sam Darnold, though. I think it really comes down to what management has done to try and surround him with a with a team. They just they clearly haven't done enough. No. Well, the thing is, if they get rid of Adam Gaze, I'm just afraid of who they hire to replace him. They can't do much worse than Adam Gaze because I thought that Todd Bowles was going to be the. I mean, even. Todd Bowles was great for for the players. Jamal Adams liked Todd Bowles. He loved Todd Bowles. The guy for me that really makes a lot of sense, and the second that they hired Joe Douglas, I kind of said, yeah, put all the pieces together, was John DeFilippo, the quarterback coach for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they worked together in Philadelphia when DeFilippo was the offensive coordinator there working with Carson Wentz. And I'm not going to say that Carson Wentz and, and Sam Darnold are the same quarterback, but I do see some similarities between between the two. I think John uh, John DeFilippo, he can groom a young quarterback. Well, they're both and gingers I, and they're both injury prone, so I guess that that checks out. That that checks out. Well, well, Sam is Sam Darnold injury prone. Sam, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold just has a weakened immune system. He he just had to kiss too many pretty women. He sprained his ankle his rookie season. He Way was out too many five games. Sammy boy just he just likes his pretty ladies. That weekend that weekend immune system happens. I mean, he's but also, least, well, here's the other thing: Sam Donald is a baby. He's yes, he's twenty. He's our age. Oh, he's twenty. Think, no, he's like twenty-two. I'm older oh, than yeah. Sam Donald. Yeah, no, he's he's a year younger actually. It's 23, 22, 23. So then maybe he's two years younger because we're because you're twenty-four and I'm. Turning 24 and Kobe August. year. Kobe year. Kobe year. Uh, yeah, Sam Darnold is, he just turned 23, June 5th. Yep. So he's a year. Oh, wow. You guys are the same star sign or whatever, I think. I don't know. I don't really care about No, that I think I, I'm a, am I? I'm weird because I'm on I'm on the solstice. So it, it's, it's weird in terms of what my astrological sign is. Some say I'm a Cancer, some say I'm a Gemini. Oh, well, I'm actually on, I'm a Leo. I'm like on the, on the brink, on the brink of Leo. And I guess Virgo is the one after. Yeah. Yeah. So because 20th, I think Virgo starts on the 22nd, but I don't really, I don't know. That's what people not, not, a big, into, not a big astrology guy. No, not really. I mean, I can see some, some things that they're right about, but I don't know. I think it's all just like generalizations. Look, you're very cynical. I wish very, I was very, very cynical. I wish it was based more. If it was based more on science, if they like, if they studied a bunch of people that were born around this around the same time period, and like this is what we saw, these what these people had, this is what these people had in common. Then yeah, I'd be down. So but, you, so you're you're not a uh, I'm not I'm not going there. This is just opening a whole other can of worms. I'm not going there. <laughs> Swiftly move on, please. Okay, because I I say what I'm going to say. We're going to be here much 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 longer. I mean, I kind of contradict. I'm a bit hypocritical because I am Jewish, but yeah, I'm yeah. a like kind of. I mean, I was bar mitzvah, religious sort of guy. 
but I see I see you're trying to milk this podcast because you know I'm editing it. Maybe. Of course. Continue. But anyway, so we're talking about Sam Donald. I think Sam Donald is in a position to take a step this year because Sam Donald is actually is younger than the other quarterbacks in his draft class. Uh, Baker Mayfield is like a year or two uh, older than him. Josh Allen is, I think, a year older than him. I, I don't know how old Lamar Jackson is, but he's probably around that same I think Lamar, area. I think Lamar Jackson's 25. Really? Did he transfer at all? 24. I think he's like 24, 25. Anyway, so yeah, Sam Donald is on a different curve. 23, same, same age as uh, Donald. Yeah, so Sam Donald's on like a different curve, I feel like, than these, uh, than these other players in the sense that he, you know, his mind's not fully, technically his mind's not fully developed yet because that's at, uh, was it 27 or 25? Your mind is uh, fully, de- fully developed? I thought it was 20, I thought it was 26. Oh, 26? Something yeah. like that. I have no idea. Is, is, is a man's brain ever fully developed? According to, according to studies, it's 20s. It's around your late twenties. <laughs> okay. I believe okay. science. You believe science? All right. I side with science. Okay. Okay. So yeah, this is, I think Sam Donald is in position because you saw last year, last year and the year before that he has the potential to be a great quarterback in this league. And he showed flashes of being a great quarterback in this league. You know, the first, I mean, Mm. Well, the second half of last season, I mean, given it was against a very, very, very easy schedule, but he had some really, really great games. And if the defense uh, steps up to where it was before, maybe a little less even, then the Jets are in a a position for a, a playoff spot. I mean, think of all the injuries that the Jets had to deal with. The defense, especially, where you had so many players on that defense out for the season. Your entire middle linebacking core, um, multiple cornerbacks. Uh, Jamal Adams was out for a period of time. Marcus May was injured for a period of time. So, yeah, with if everybody's back healthy, then I don't see a reason why the Jets aren't in a hunt aren't in the hunt for another play for a playoff spot. I mean, they can be because they have that, that extra uh, spot now in the AFC. So that definitely does help the, the Jets cause. But f- for me, I, I just look, I mean, if you wanted to, we could do, we could do a quick little exercise if you are in the interest of doing so. So let's just say the, are we going through the schedule? No, no, no. We're not going through this schedule. We're just going through the list of potential playoff teams in the AFC. So let's say the Bills win the AFC East. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then let's say we'll go with the Titans to win the AFC South for now. Then we'll put the Chiefs winning the West. And that leaves the North, which will go to the Ravens. That's four spots right there. Then that leaves potential teams like we'll put the Jets in this conversation. We'll put the Texans in this conversation as well. We'll put the Colts in this conversation. I think it, I think it would be wrong not to put the Steelers in this conversation, especially if Big Ben is 100% healthy for the entire year. We saw that defense did without Ben Roethlisberger really put that team on their back last year and they still managed to finish eight and eight. So if they have a full season of big Ben, I think that that could be a 10 win football team in Pittsburgh. I think you have to put the Browns in this discussion as well. They've done a pretty good job in terms of upgrading their football team this, this off season and another year of Odell being there, Jarvis Landry being there another year of Baker Mayfield, who also he, he too was in a very, very big year. Uh, Baker Mayfield then I mean you got to put the Broncos in here as well I mean they are probably the most like the most hot sleeper team that you that you have perhaps in the National Football League right now Um, so that's 
one, two, three, four, five. That's six teams competing for three spots. And where do we really see the Jets falling in that group? I would say the Texans are better than the Jets. The Steelers are definitely better than the Jets if Big Ben is there. And I think the Broncos are better. I think they're kind of in the group of the Broncos, Colts, and Browns in terms of being that last team potentially in in the uh, in the AFC. I don't know. Well, the AFC is tough because basically every team, I think, except for maybe the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jaguars, and the Chargers could make the playoffs out of the AFC. I think, the, I think even the Chargers you could put in that conversation if you really want to. I mean, this is probably the most wide open that the AFC has been in a long, long time. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, t- it's tough because I think the Chiefs and the Ravens are just eons above everybody else. But in terms of in that next group, there are a lot of teams that are very, very close together. And I think the, the, the better crop of teams might be I don't I, I don't even know if I can if I could say that. Because the NFC yeah, I could I, you know I can say that. The NFC has better teams than the AFC in numbers. I think the NFC has more very good slash great teams than the AFC, but the AFC has more elite teams than the NFC, if Here, that makes I a, sense. I have a question. Which Shoot. division do you think is better, the AFC North or the NFC South? <sighs> I think the NFC South. Really? Yeah, I think the NFC South. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Falcons. I, I think the Falcons could be in contention for a playoff spot this year. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the, that's those are the only two divisions where all four teams are looking to make the playoffs. I I don't think the Panthers are in that in that conversation. I don't think I don't think the Bengals are are either. So you could take them out of it. I think the Panthers are no more than a five win team, and the Bengals probably no more than a six win team. But those are teams that are on the on the come up. So I mean, maybe you could say you can make a case for the West, also the NFC West. Yeah, yeah. The NFC West, all four, all four teams in the NFC West are competing for a playoff spot. Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, all competing for a playoff spot and all could make the playoffs. Yep. Well, you know, now that we're here talking about leagues and let's talk about more leagues, different leagues, though. We have uh, – well, we, are, we talked about, God, it seems like eons ago, ages ago that we talked about the NHL's playoffs, their playoff uh, bracket. But uh, now the NBA has agreed with their Players Association to, with, about their uh, tournament in Orlando and Disney World. In the bubble. In the bubble. And uh, baseball, after a long, drawn-out fight, has agreed to a 60-game season. I wouldn't say agreed. Agreed, I would use very loosely. Agreed but, with fingers crossed behind their backs. Well, it's going to happen. They they agreed the health and safety protocols, the MLB and the MLB Players Association. Um, but Rob Manfred really commissioned this 60-game season was going to happen and just said it's going to happen as long as you can agree the parameters of yeah. a of health and safety and shit that goes on like that. Um, Charlie Blackman and a bunch of Rockies have – tested positive for coronavirus yeah so yeah it's uh i i still have my doubts about whether this season is actually going to happen um i won't believe it really until i'm watching and a pitch is thrown that oh baseball Christ. is happening liverpool are up four nil oh yikes yikes that's uh i was gonna bet on them too but their uh their live odds weren't great and the spread wasn't great. Their spread was like one and three quarters. I was like, no, I'm not betting that. No way. Um, but back to baseball, I mean, it's positive. It's positive there is a plan, finally, which is what I think a lot of people were just kind of hoping for. 
that there is that there was some sort of plan in place for baseball to to come back and there is but you have the whole situation with the five letter v word that we are not saying on this podcast uh which adam i believe may have said already so shame shame I, I I have my doubts about whether or not baseball is is truly going to be back and and I think what's really interesting a law of with this plan is the uh, the parameters that are just fully uh, fully laid out so um, just off the top of my head from what I remember um, the spring training report date was July first uh, they have the full prorated pay so meaning all players will get whatever pay they have agreed to the players had already agreed to take to take one previous pay cut uh so now whatever the players have now are owed to make they are going to make now um covid covid 19 testing will take place every other day the trade deadline will be august 31st a little interesting twist to start extra innings where runners will or there'll be a runner that will start on second base at the top or bottom of each extra inning which i thought was was very interesting. Ten games versus each divisional opponent and four games versus regional interleague opponents, meaning uh, ten games we played with an AL East opponents and then the AL East teams will play the NL East teams and that will take place for each division uh, in the league. And then something that I thought was very, very interesting was the universal DH that's going to be implemented between the American and National League. So the National League will have a designated hitter for this season and potentially beyond, depending on how well it uh, it works out, which which I found particularly interesting. I was going to say, this is like when a law passes Congress and it's what you want. And the law, the main part of the law is what you wanted, but then they add a bunch of riders on it without people knowing just yeah. so it could pass. You're like, oh, so now we're just going to have the DH in the National League and we're also going to, fuck with extra innings so there you go i like that this is not uh, okay because now they're they're going to try and ease us into it and then say oh this is permanent now because it worked because it worked well before that that definitely does sound like the the plan that they are trying to implement now doesn't it because it's just it's just weird can you imagine like if the, I mean, it would be it would more on the positive side, but it's like if the NHL, as in their restart agreement, they were like, okay, so as part of this re- agreement, we're also banning shootouts. No more, no more shootouts ever. It's yep. like, you're going to kind of fundamentally change the rules when everybody's thinking about something else, like underhanded, all underhanded. Like, I mean, whether or not it's a positive, a rule change for the better or worse, it's still kind of a scummy move to do that. And like kind of hold the the carrot of regular baseball over the players association. Say, well, you you have to do this, and also you have to accept these rule changes that we that we're implementing. I actually like the second the the runner on second because it it is almost trying to ensure that you don't have games that are going on for five or six hours. You're trying to speed up the pace of play. You're trying to make the game watchable for those that are watching at home while also trying to protect the players as well and making sure that they're not on a baseball field where they could potentially become infected with the five-letter V-word over the course of five, six hours of of playing the game. They're trying to speed it up as much as they possibly can. So I, I, I kind of like the move. It's one of the only things I think out of Major League Baseball that I can say out of this whole – uh, painstaking negotiating process that I've actually enjoyed. I think baseball has taken such a huge hit in terms of its popularity when you have the owners and players in the NBA, uh, the NHL, in, in soccer leagues all around the world as well that are sort of in agreement in terms of a plan, even the NFL as well. There seems to be universal understanding and an agreement in place to keep these players protected and everybody safe and whatnot. Whereas with the MLB, there wasn't that at all. It was, it was almost like a CBA negotiation that sort of took place. And 
oh, by the way, their CBA is up at the end of this season. So we're going to have to look out for those CBA negotiations, which I'm sure are just going to be a lovely time for all. Well, they'd have to be behind. They have to be uh, taking place in between bulletproof glass. I would say so. Because if, uh, if the CBA negotiations go at all, like these negotiations did, uh, the CBA will not be the only thing that's up for major league baseball. Yeah, to say the least. It could be baseball itself. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to something that, I don't know if it's happy news. It's good that this didn't turn out the way that we thought. Um, for those, So, I think it was last week, or Saturday, over the weekend, uh, Bubba Wallace... NASCAR's only African-American driver allegedly found a noose, which on the surface on Saturday, when people, when the story, when the story was first breaking, it's like everybody was in agreement that this was a, like a heinous act to do if they, if it was actually uh, what it was, because honestly it's uh, we have enough uh, race issues in this country the fact that i mean it's nascar what do you expect not to reinforce stereotypes or anything kind of doing a good job of that but this is this is a uh a league a sport that had backlash when they banned the confederate flag from from racetracks so but thankfully that was what happened the the noose in the locker of bubba wallace is actually not a noose at all it was it was a piece of rope, but it it's it was allegedly it was there since 2019. So after an FBI investigation, they said that no, this there was no hate crime here. It's fine. So great, but the the thing is, why did NAS? I mean, you can answer this question, but why? And I don't. I won't like the answer to it because I know the answer is why did NASCAR frame it this way? It was on. It was on the inside of his garage stall, and it was used to open and close the garage door that was in where his car would be. Um, and the whole story is that NASCAR randomly assigns which stalls each of the drivers would use prior to race week, and that this just so happened to be the stall that Bubba Wallace was given. And it was the same. It had been 2019. I believe it was even the same as it was in 2018. So, you know, there was no harm, no foul. The part of this that I had to say this carefully, that kind of, I don't want to say sends me the wrong way because it's not it. Because if this was seriously a, a hate crime or anything like that, then I think everyone everyone was in full agreement that if this was something that was that was done as a as a message of racial hate, then whoever did this needed to be handled properly. I think that was something that everybody very much agreed on. But then you had NASCAR doing, you know, their whole backing of Bubba Wallace, which is, which is fine. You know, you know, hundred percent. I, I support that. No, no doubt about it because, but they did it without knowing all of the facts. And now you also have, after the FBI report was released, you also have now Bubba Wallace was going on um, cable news last night. He was on CNN with Don Lemon talking about, everything that had that had gone on after the FBI report was released that nothing was was going on so it's like it's a double edged sword because yes if this had happened this would have been terrible 100% you know you can't you can't you cannot possibly have that in a society in a functioning society but at the same time even though it wasn't 
Bubba Wallace is now a, a, a star. He's a star in racing for all the wrong reasons. He's a star in racing because he's the guy that was mistakenly that mistakenly thought there was a noose in his garage because he's the only black driver in NASCAR. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm being insensitive. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm being too skeptical about that or not. I just, I don't know. It's a, t- it's a touchy subject to, to really talk about because I'm not going to go as far as to say like it's a whole, you know, Jussie Smollett situation that he purposely staged this to look, make this look like a hate crime, that he would become a big star, and then it turns out it was nothing at all. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I th- I think it was just a misunderstanding. I think that was so too. Blown out of proportion. Right. Blown so. way out of proportion. But now the problem the problem that I have now is this is going to follow him for the rest of his life. Mhm. And he was the this is, it just got blown so far out of out of proportion and there were huge questions being asked of of NASCAR and you know, the racial integrity that the NASCAR has and it turned out to be nothing. Yeah. And that's the problem. And, and that's the issue that I also have with a lot of the media today. And the media definitely did its best to stoke the flames on this one. I would say for sure. And there are a whole bunch of uh, keyboard warriors out there that were very quick to just type up stories and, and type up tweets aimed at NASCAR, talking about how disgusting of an act this is, and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, there were, there were no facts. There were no facts that were even divulged out whatsoever. And it turned out, at the end of the day, to be to be nothing. So uh, I, I'm not going to say this is a big reality check for everybody. I just think that it is something that we need to take for take everything that we see for a grain of salt until we actually have the full facts. And then we would be able to have a full conversation about something as potentially disturbing and disgusting as this could have been. If in fact it was what we had all deemed it to be, but the fact that it wasn't is a good thing for, um, for a deteriorating racial system in our country, racial relations, things like that. But at the same time, we also need to understand, you know, don't be so quick to be the first one to go and type something out before not knowing the facts. This has happened time and time again. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. A different episode of the Basement Talk podcast. Yes. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Oh, actually, you can find all episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The name is just The Basement Talk Podcast. Please leave us a five-star review and a comment telling us how much you love The Basement Talk Podcast. We will talk to you next time with a Mount Rushmore. And hopefully soon, there will be another episode of the Quizvitational. Yes, I am. I am trying to get one together. But so, it's definitely a little a little tough right now with the fact that it is summer and people are trying to get their lives back together and normal and work schedules and things like that. But I am trying to get that together. There will be another quizitational coming, so stay tuned for that. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Bye-bye. She said-